Well, good morning to everybody. You look great. And a big shout out welcome to those of you watching online across the city of Ottawa, nation of Canada, and around the world. How many of you amazing people are ready for God's word? You ready for God's word? Amen. Well, we're going to start a brand new seven-part sermon series. We're calling it I Am. And we're going to take seven Sundays to explore those great I Am sayings of Jesus that are unique to the Gospel of John. And as we begin, I want to explain to you those words, I am. And I want to take you back to Exodus chapter 3, because that's where it began. There's this guy named Moses, and he's out tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro's, the sheep. And God shows up in a burning bush. Do you remember the story? And the bush is on fire, and God speaks from the burning bush and tells him to take off his sandals, because the place where he's standing is, is holy ground. And God speaks to him and calls him to lead the Israelites and go back to them and say, you're going to lead them. This is what you're going to do. It's all going to be good. And he's nervous. And he said, well, who am I going to say has sent me? I want you to look at Exodus 3, verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. That's where those words come from. That's the Hebrew version. I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, let me just for a moment talk to you about the words I am. And just so I know you're with me, can we together say I am? One, two, three, I am. It's a covenantal name of God. And it's, it's very personal. I am. God is defining himself. It's not just personal. It's very present, not past, not future, but present. I am. It's an amazing name that God describes himself as. God describes himself who he is. And so Jesus picks up that Hebrew word and he defines himself and describes himself with these seven great I am saints. The first one is the one we're going to look at today. We're, we're in John chapter 6 in verse number 35 and verse 48. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. That's what we're going to look at today in a couple of moments. Next week, we're going to look at the next great I am saying, and we kind of sung about it this morning, but where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then number three, we're going to talk about where Jesus said, I am the door. And then number four, he said, I'm the good shepherd. Number five, I'm the resurrection and the life. Number six, I'm the way, the truth, the life. And then number seven, I am the true vine. And for a couple of moments today, before we come to communion, I want to talk to you about that great saying where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. But may I pray for you today before we come to God's word. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you for this amazing church. It's an honor to gather here today. Thank you, God, for those that have joined us online. And I'm praying, God, over these next few moments that your word would come to life. I pray, God, that you would speak a personal word to each one today. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together and celebrate our Lord God? And he's worthy of all praise. Amen. Well, let me break this message into three parts. First of all, I want to give you some biblical and cultural explanation about bread. I want to talk to you for a few moments about bread from a biblical and a cultural standpoint. Number one, write this in your notes. In those days, bread actually, honestly, was the most important part of the meal. Now, first of all, probably for most of you in your head, you're pitching this big, thick loaf of bread wrong. 
In those days, it was flat bread, much like this. It wasn't a big loaf of bread. It was flat bread. But I have a question for the boys and girls, moms and dads, all the youth. How many of you, if you're honest, would say the best part, the best part of the meal is the dessert? Come on, don't be ashamed of that. You're, come on, way to go, the dessert. All right. How many of you would say the best part of the meal is the meat? Come on, you're the meat lover. You could do without potato, the whole bit. How many would say the best part of the meal is the vegetables, the broccoli? There was broccoli lovers in first service. Yeah. Uh, who would you say the best part of the meal is the salad? Salad, any salad lovers? Salad, way to go. In those days, the meal was the bread. Everything else was a side dish. And so when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he was saying that I am meant to be, Jesus is meant to be the most important part of our life. And I want to challenge all of you today to make Jesus your number one. Amen? He's not your number two. He's your number one. He's your everything. He's the most important part of your life. The second thing I want to point out to you, write this in your notes. Everybody knew this in those days that everybody had access to bread. Everybody could buy bread. If you were poor, you would buy barley. You would get barley and you make your bread out of barley. Hold on to that word barley. I'm emphasizing it for a reason. If you had lots of money, you'd make your bread out of wheat because you had lots of money and you could afford wheat, but only the poor could get the barley or the rich would get the wheat. But the truth is, everybody had access to bread. No home in those days was, was deprived of bread. Everybody, everybody could buy bread. Everybody could have bread. The truth is, Jesus is for everybody. Isn't that good news? He's for you, he's for me, he's for the boys and girls, he's for the moms and dads. Some of you might think, how can Jesus make a difference in my life? Jesus is available to everybody. But then there's number three. Bread in those days was the means of fellowship. And remember in Acts chapter two, the early church devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, the breaking of bread. Here's what they do. You'd have someone over, and you would break bread with them. And breaking bread was a symbol of fellowship, but it's more than that. You were saying, I'm your friend, we are friends for life. If you broke bread with someone in those days, you were saying, we're friends for life. Anybody glad that Jesus is your friend, your forever best friend, amen? Anybody glad today? Come on, anybody glad today? He never leaves you, never forsakes you, he's your friend. And he will always, when everybody else walks out, Jesus stays with you. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? So understand that everyone had access to bread. Number three, bread was the means of fellowship. Then there's number four. Bread actually symbolized God's presence. So I gotta take you way back in the Old Testament. And they had a table, they called it the table of presence. And on the table of presence in the ancient place of worship, was what they called the show bread. You ever heard that before, the show bread? And uh, right on that table of, of presence would be the show bread. I wanna take you to Numbers chapter four, verse seven. Over the table of the presence, table of presence, they're to spread a blue cloth, put on the plates, dishes, bowls, jars of drink offering. The bread that is continually there is to remain on it. And so on the temple, they'd have the show bread, which also was described as the show up bread. Hold on to those words, the show bread, 
the showup bread. And when they walk into the place of worship and they saw the show bread, it was symbolic of God and it taught them that God was present. It was very symbolic. It was so key that in the New Testament, if you actually found a little bit of bread on the ground, you would never step on it. You just wouldn't do that. I mean, nowadays, we just kind of kick the bread away. But in those days, they would never stomp or step on bread because bread to them was symbolic of God's presence. In fact, they would bend down and they pick up the bread and they put it in the tree for the birds to eat because they respected the fact that bread represented God's presence. Now, I have a question. So boys and girls, I want you to answer this question for moms and dads, not for you, boys and girls. Jesus was born in what city or town or village? The place where Jesus was born is called Bethlehem. Does anybody know what Bethlehem means? If you describe the word Bethlehem and defined it, Bethlehem means, I'll tell you, it means house of bread. You ever wondered why Bethlehem was called house of bread? Because, I'll give you the answer, around Bethlehem were many fields of grain, of wheat and barley. And so there's many fields of grain of wheat or fields of wheat and fields of grain or grains of wheat and grains of barley that farmers would get. And Bethlehem was surrounded by fields of grain. So they called Bethlehem the house of bread. Isn't it pretty cool that Jesus, the bread of life, was born in the house of bread? And in the Old Testament, on the table of presence, there would be the show up bread that represented God's presence. What does that teach us? Oh, I love this. God is omnipresent. He's with us at all times. There's nowhere you go that Jesus is not. Come on, isn't that cool? I mean, you're going to walk out of this building and wherever you go, he is because he's in you. Anybody glad today that Jesus is present at all times? Come on, come on. Anybody glad? Anybody glad that Jesus is present at all times? Present when you're in the battles of life. Present when you're going through your valleys. He is present. But there's one more thing I want to point out. Number five, bread represents God's provision. Number, number five, bread represents God's provision. Now, to explain this, i got to take you way back to Moses. Remember the burning bush? And God speaks to him and says, I am who I am. You're to lead God's people, the Israelites. And he led them through the wilderness for 40 years. Now, God gave them special food that was heavenly food that came from heaven. It was heavenly bread. And that heavenly bread was called, starts with the letter M. Anybody know what? Shout it out. It was called manna. And for 40 years, manna would rain down every morning from heaven. Wouldn't that be cool? Can you imagine going out today? What are we going to do for lunch, honey? And uh, manna came down from heaven. Manna, 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 manna. They made manna casseroles, manna pancakes, manna stew, manna, 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 manna. That's what they ate for 40 years. Every day they'd get up, go out, and manna would rain down from heaven, the heavenly bread. Let's read about it. Verse 4, Exodus 16. The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day, gather enough for that day, gather enough for that day, push pause. If Jesus is the bread of life, he is enough for your today. Come on, come on, anybody with me today? He is enough for your today. He will get you through your day. 
In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Look at verse 5. On the sixth day, they're to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. They're to get lots, and on the Sabbath, they're not going to have, they're just have enough for the Sabbath as well. Look at verse 15. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? Now, I want you to underline those words because manna actually means what is it? That's what manna means. What does manna mean? What is it? And so when the Israelites saw the stuff coming down, they said, what is it? For they didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, it's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Look at verse 21. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. Now let's push pause. Do you remember some people hoarded the manna and they got more than they needed for the day? And if they had manna left over from the day before, remember the maggots got into it and it, and it didn't last. It's almost like God was saying to Moses to tell the Israelites, just get enough manna that you need for today. Gather enough manna to get you through the day. Come on, church. I hope you're tracking with me today. Jesus is enough to get you through your day. Amen? He's, come on, come on, come on. Give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord. He's enough. He's enough to get you through your day. So verse 31, the people of Israel called the bread manna. And manna means, of course, what is it? Let me put on the screen, if I could, please, from Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, part of the Lord's prayer. Give us today. Give us today our daily bread. So friends, we're in the COVID season. Some of you are like, ah, Thanksgiving's coming. Don't like what they're saying. What are we going to do at Christmas? Some of you are like homeschooling. All we're going to do is, I, and you're looking so far ahead and you're pushing panic. Can I challenge us to live in the today? Don't take tomorrow's worry and bring it into today. Jesus, who's enough for today, is going to be enough for tomorrow. He's going to be enough for next week. And he's going to be enough for 2021. Come on, are you with me today, friends? He is enough. I want to take you to number two. And I want to very briefly give you some context. Because to understand a text, you've got to understand the context. And before Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he did two things. Number one, he fed the 5,000. Remember that? Remember the, the five loaves? And the two fish, I'll talk about that in a moment. Then after that, he walked on water. The storm was raging. Disciples are freaking out. Jesus walks on water. Now, I don't have time to read all this, so let me just give you six brief thoughts that I think will help us to understand the context. Number one, Jesus is concerned about every single area of our lives. How do I know that? In our text, Jesus is teaching there's 5,000 men. Where there's men, there's ladies. Where there's men and ladies, there's children. It's probably 15 to 20,000 people. The day's late. Everybody's hungry. Jesus feeds them. He made sure everybody went home having a good meal with their stomachs filled. If Jesus cared about that, it teaches me he cares about every area of our lives. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're walking through. I know what it's like to walk through COVID, and we're all in this together. But here's the word. Whatever you're facing, Jesus cares more than you can ever imagine. You might feel like nobody cares. I'm here to tell you, somebody cares. Jesus cares. Come on, are you with me today? He 
cares about what you're going through. The second thing is Jesus wants to stretch our faith. Oh yeah, my faith is being stretched. Every pastor across the nation of Canada and globally around the world is leading churches in a brand new way like they've never done before. You school teachers are trying to teach in a way they've never taught before. You're trying to run your business in a way you've never done before. You're trying to lead your family in a way you've never done before. Your faith is being tested and stretched, but our faith is in God Almighty. So here's all these people, they need food. And so Jesus says to Philip, he says, where can we get food to feed all these people? And Jesus asks where, and Philip forgets about the where and says, forget about the where. Where are we gonna get the money to buy this? It's gonna cost like a half year's wage to feed all these people. He's freaking out. He's doing the dollar and cent thing. And then Andrew, Andrew comes with a small little boy. I love this, a small little boy who had his snacks because mommy packed his snacks to go and hear the teaching of Jesus. Now, some of you moms and dads pack snacks for your children to come to church today. God bless you. And some of you husbands are glad that your wife packed snacks for the kids so you can enjoy, I know I'm right on this, some of the snacks that your wife packed for the kids and you know I'm right, you've done that. I did that when our kids were young. Come on, anybody, come on, anybody relate this to you? Come on. Some of you have already asked your spouse for the candy that's in her purse. I know you've done that. Come on, you get it. And so there's a boy who has his snacks. Now, when Jesus fed the 5,000, the boy had five loaves of bread, but they're cakes of bread. Now, what kind was it? Not wheat. Look at our text, barley. He had five little, small, tiny, little barley cakes. Not the big one, the little five barley, because he came from a poor family. And mommy packed in his little bag, his little little lunch bag, his little, little lunch bag, five little barley cakes and two small fish. And Jesus is there, and he says to Philip, where are we going to go to get some food? And Philip says, Philip says, how much is this going to cost? And Andrew brings a little boy that gives his snack, five small little barley cakes and two small fish. And so Jesus wants to stretch our faith. Now that, that segues to number three. Jesus takes what we have. It may not look like much. I mean, come on, folks. There's 5,000 men. And, 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 and any of you have ever raised boys, boys, guys can eat lots. You know that. And guys can invite all their guy friends to show up your house and they can eat lots. Now, there's 5,000 men. There's a bunch of ladies. There's a bunch of kids. There's 15 to 20,000 people. And all we got is five little pieces of barley, not even the good wheat bread. We got the five cheap grains of barley bread and two tiny fish. And Andrew takes it from the little boy and the little boy gives it Jesus. And Jesus blesses it and he multiplies it. You see church, whatever you give to Jesus, he blesses and he multiplies. And I wanna challenge you today, just give what you have. Say, Lord, I'm yours, I'm yours. 
And, and church, Jesus takes what we have and he blesses it and he multiplies it. And that takes me to number four. Jesus provides satisfaction because when you read the story, everybody's tummy was filled. 15 to 20,000 people were fully fed and there's even food left over. Everybody's hunger was satisfied. How many people know Jesus can satisfy all of your desires and your hunger? How many people know he's more? Come on, Woodville, he's more than enough. You don't know Jesus is all you need until he is all you have. Some of you today are like, Mark, my business is going south. It's not going well. COVID is wrecking my business. Some of you are like, I'm so lonely. I couldn't wait to come to church today. But this whole COVID season, Iceland is doing me in. Some of you are like, man, this is going wrong. That's going wrong. I'm really struggling when I'm walking through. I'm here to say to you today, Jesus is here to meet you. He's the bread of life. Come on, Woodville. He's the bread of life. And he can satisfy and he can meet every one of your needs. Somebody give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord God. Amen. But there's one more, two more things. Number five, Jesus always takes us deeper, way deeper than we are planning to go. And so I'm going to ask you a question. At the end of the feeding of the 5,000, there's leftover food, and they showed up back to Jesus, and they had how many baskets of bread left over. And somebody showed up. How many was left over? How many? Twelve. Twelve. You're right. You ever wondered why there's twelve? Let me tell you the wrong answer. Some people go, well, there was twelve left over because there's twelve disciples and Jesus wanted to pack a doggy bag for each one of the disciples to take some food home. Turn to your neighbor and say, wrong. Wrong. That's not right. That's not the why. I want to show you the why. And if you look at your notes, I put this scripture, Leviticus 24, 5 to 9. And I want you to look over here at this table because you may not know this, but Leviticus 24, verse 5 down to verse 9, teaches us that in the ancient place of worship, on the table of presence, the priest would go in and place not one cake or loaf of bread, but 12 cakes. 12 loaves of bread. They would actually stack six on one side and six on the other. And there were 12 loaves or cakes of show bread. I wonder if the disciples that day, when, when, when there was 12 baskets left over, I'm just wondering if some of them thought back to the table of presence and thought back to the show up bread. I wonder if some of them were scratching their heads going, is, 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 is this person in front of me, the show up bread? Is this, is this the real manna? Is this the real bread? Is this, is this God? You see, church... Jesus fed the 5,000, not just to fill their tummies, but he fed the 5,000 to lead towards the spiritual truth where he said, I am the bread of life. Now, I want to show you something else. There's, there's more here. There's more. And, 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 and this is number six. Jesus is more than we think he is. Honest to goodness. Uh, I mean, just when you think you figured out Jesus, he's more than you can ever imagine 
or you can think. So just track with me. The miracle ends and the disciples get in a boat and they're, they're in the middle of the lake and the storm is raging, right? Wind is blowing. It's nasty. It's not good. They're freaking out. And Jesus comes walking on the water. You know the story. And they thought he was a ghost. Now look at verse 20. He said to them, it is I. Now let me give you another translation. I am who I am. Don't you love that? The same God who spoke to Moses in a burning bush. And Moses like, how can I leave these people? Who am I going to say has sent me? I am who I am. They just got their tummies filled with, with food. I mean, Jesus fed 5,000 men, plus ladies, plus kids, with five tiny little barley loaves and a couple little fish. And now they're out in a storm. If Jesus can feed the 5,000 plus ladies and children with a little bit of food, how do people know he can calm the storm? And he shows up and says, I am who I am. Do not be afraid. There's a word for this house today. Some of you are fearful and freaking out. You heard Doug Ford's announcement on Friday. You're seeing the COVID numbers going up. You're seeing your bank account going down. You're walking through other stuff and you're freaking out and you're fearful. I'm here to say to you, the God Almighty who is the I am is here today and he's calling you to not walk in fear, but he's calling you to walk in trust. Somebody give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord God. So he feeds the 5,000, and then he walks in the water and says, I am. Now, I'm going to read some verses real quick, because our time is running out, so you're going to have to listen real fast. I want to take you now to verse 26. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. People were chasing after Jesus, not for who he was, but for what he did, because he fed them. Look at verse 27. Do not work for food that spoils. They got caught on the word work. But for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. They, they forgot that he said give. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Look at verse 28. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? They, they were all focusing on working, 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 but they missed the word give. Look at verse 29. Jesus answered, the work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. Jesus is carving out the gospel. Jesus is saying, you've got to believe in the one he has sent. And now he's about a couple of moments to reveal to them the one he has sent is standing before them, just like the showbread on the table of presence. Now Jesus is the living show up bread of life, God in flesh, standing in front of them. And so in verse 30, so they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it, believing you? What, what will you do? Look at verse 31. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. We talked about that. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it's my father who gives you the true 
bread from heaven. They're talking physical bread. He's talking spiritual bread. They're still thinking about the manna in the Old Testament. But now Jesus is talking about he being the living bread. Look at verse 33. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Everything God does points to Jesus. Come on, church, think about it. When the heavenly manna came down every day to feed them physically, it wasn't just to feed them physically. It was to point towards when God sent Jesus, the real heavenly manna, to this world to die on a cross for us. And let me read again, verse 33. For the bread of God is the bread that comes from heaven and gives life to the world. Look at verse 34, sir. I mean, they called him sir. You ever called Jesus sir? They called him sir. They said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Then Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Come on, church, is it coming together? Is it coming? Look at verse 41. At this, the Jews there began to grumble. Man, God's people always seem to grumble. They grumbled in the Old Testament. Manna, 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 manna. I'm tired of manna. I'm tired of manna pancakes. I'm tired of manna casserole. Manna, manna, manna. Can we not have something different? No. I'll tell you here today, church, Jesus is your everything. He's more than enough. He's more. He's more than enough. They grumbled. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? whose father and mother we know. How can he now say, I came down from heaven? They didn't get it. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. He says it again. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, but they died. They ate the manna, but then they died. Verse 50, but here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. This is spiritual, not physical. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. It's like Jesus was saying, come on, guys. You know the table of presence. You know the showbread on the table. You know the manna that came down in the old town. I am the show-up bread. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. I am the Son of God. I am God in flesh. You're all focusing on your physical food, but I got something spiritual for you, and I'm going to die for Come on, I'm preaching now, church. I'm going to die for your sins. Somebody, somebody. Let's give a little amen or a clap offering of praise to the Lord God. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. I'm going to give my life. Then the Jews began to argue sharply in verse 52 among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? I mean, they, they didn't get it. But Jesus, you want us to physically eat you? Verse 58. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and they died. But whoever feeds on this bread, he's pointing to himself, will live forever. Wow. 
I want to wrap this up, and I want to take you to the response, and only take me about two minutes to share this. But there's three words I want to give you that I want you to write in your notes, and the first word is disruption. And before I read these verses, Jesus did something physical, fed the 5,000, to teach them something spiritual. Look at verse 60 down to verse 61 on hearing it. Many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And where that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. There are many people that are offended by God's word, and they view God's teaching as a disruption to their life. Now, let me take you to the second word, desertion. And I want you to read, I want to read verse 66, because from this time, many of his disciples turned back and they no longer followed Jesus. I'll tell you why they weren't a follower of Jesus. They were a fan of what he did. Do not follow Jesus for what he can do for you. Follow Jesus for who he is. And if all he ever did was die on a cross for your sins, he did everything for you. The greatest miracle is the miracle he came, he died, and the Father raised him to life, and he lives forevermore. Come on, Woodville. The greatest miracle is the miracle of salvation. Don't be a fan of Jesus. Be a follower of Jesus. The last word that I want to leave you is declaration. And I want to read verse 67 down to verse 69. And in verse 67, Jesus looks to the 12 disciples and he says, you do not want to leave too, do you? Everybody's bailing. Everybody's turning their back on Jesus. And he looks to, he looks to Bartholomew. He looks to James. He looks to John. He looks to Matthew. He looks to Peter. He looks to all 12 of the disciples. You guys going to leave too? Look at verse 68, because Simon spoke up and he said three things. The first thing is, to whom shall we go? It's like Simon would say, come on, Jesus. Sometimes you, you embarrass us. I mean, you're turning over tables and sometimes you say things we don't get. And sometimes we're really confused, but, but Jesus, we, we love being around you. You're our everything. We'd be lost without you. Where else can we go? Now, stay with me, church. Some of you are walking through a tough season, a difficult season, and it's not just COVID. I've got a word for you today. You can face life without Jesus, or you can face life with Jesus. And I've learned as tough as life gets, it's better to face life with Jesus because nobody else can meet your needs Jesus. Come on, Winfield. Nobody else can meet your needs like Jesus. Peter said, where else can we go? Where else can we go? There's no one like you. The second thing he said, you have the words of eternal life. Please note that Peter didn't focus on he fed the 5,000. He didn't even focus that he walked on the water. He didn't focus on the people he had raised from the dead. He didn't focus on the people he'd healed from the sick. He didn't focus on what Jesus did. 
He focused on what Jesus said. Mark it down. What was in the forefront of his mind was Jesus just said, I am the bread of life. I'll tell you what will get you through life is focus on what Jesus says and who he is. And he's way more than you and I can ever imagine. The final thing that Peter said is we've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. I don't want you just to hear it. I don't want you just to believe it. I want you to know that you 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 know that no matter how tough life gets, he is your bread of life today. He is your everything today. Just like bread's the most important part of the meal in those days, Jesus is your everything. He is your all. He is your alpha, your omega. He's the beginning. He's your end. He's your healer. He's your savior. He's your baptizer. He's your soon coming king. He's your sweet rose of Sharon. He is Jesus and he is everything. Somebody give a little amen or clap offering of praise to the Lord. Father God, we bow our heads. And Lord, as we're getting ready for communion in these final moments, I'm asking God that these powerful words, this powerful declaration, when you, Jesus, said, I am the bread of life, I'm asking God that it would resonate in our spirits today. I pray that this word would encourage everyone. We love you. We praise you. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Could you stand with me this morning? Pastor Brad, I want you to come. I want you to worship in this powerful song. Let's worship together. We're going to celebrate communion in a couple of moments. But I love this song. And I believe it's going to prepare us for this very sacred, symbolic, meaningful moment of communion. Let's worship God together. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke the name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? Lord, heart could fathom such boundless grace. The God of ages stepped down from glory. 
Jesus was in an upper room with his disciples that we've often called it the Last Supper it's the Passion Week he's soon to go to a cross and Jesus who was born in Bethlehem the house of bread was sitting with his disciples holding on to bread <laughs> He said, this is my body. This is my body. Because you see, bread represents Jesus. And we've learned today that he is the most important part of our life. We've learned today that he is meant to be our everything. Amen. We've learned today that everybody in those days could get bread, whether you were rich or poor. Jesus is here for everyone. Amen. We've learned today that bread, breaking of bread, was a symbol of fellowship. Because when you broke bread with someone, you're saying, I'm a friend for life. <laughs> Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body. This is my body. And today, I want you to get that little wafer that, that's in the top of that little package you got and pull it out because we're going to partake together of the wafer that represents the body of Jesus. And church, let's never forget that Jesus had fellowship with us and he's fellowshipping with us today. And he became our fellowship offering and he went to a cross. Jesus, the living showbread, showed up and went to a cross and died for our sins. Hallelujah. And he's not called the bread of death. He's called the bread of life. He gave his life for you and for me. Let's partake of the little wafer that represents the body of Jesus. And Jesus took the cup. Oh, it wasn't COVID friendly back then. They had a common cup that they shared. <laughs> we got our own individual cup right now. But he, he said, this is my blood. This represents the blood of Jesus. Blood represents life. How many people are glad Jesus gave his life for us? Amen. I said, how many people are glad Jesus gave his life for us? Amen. Let's partake of the juice. Let it be a symbolic reminder. Put that cup down. I want you with all that you got, put your hands together and give the loudest clap offering of praise that you've ever given to the to the living. Come on, come on, Whitbell. Come on, Whitbell, to the living show, Brad, Jesus Christ. Come on, come on, Brad, you sing. We're gonna worship. In the morning, let's see the frost. 
your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on come on they came Your buried body began to break out of the silence. The roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Jesus, yours is the victory. service is going to close. When you're standing here today or you're watching online, I have a question for you and it's this. If today was the day you died and you stepped into eternity, you know that you know that you're going to heaven. It's appointed once for everyone to die. The question is where will you spend eternity? I don't want you to think you're going to heaven. I don't want you to hope you're going to heaven. I want you to know that you know that you know you're going to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, the life. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're standing here today and you're not certain that you're going to heaven, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life and forgive you of your sins, or you're watching online and you've never done that, I'd have no greater joy than to lead you in a prayer of receiving Jesus. And we're going to join you as you pray. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, ask you into my life. I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. I've decided to follow you. Decided to follow you. Today, Today, I confess you, I confess you. As, my Savior as my Savior and my Lord. And my Lord. I receive you in my life. I receive you in, my life. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, open your eyes. Put your hands together and celebrate, celebrate, celebrate salvation. 
You prayed that prayer. You made the best decision of your life. You're here on site. You prayed that prayer. In a few moments on your way out, go to one of the tables. We've got a Bible for you, a little booklet for you. And we've got some great classes online, on site, that can help you in your new faith journey. If you're watching online and you receive Christ, reach out to us. We're going to help you in your new faith journey. The second thing, in just a moment, after we close, we believe in the power of prayer. I want our altar workers and our pastors who have been asked to be a part of this, please come to the front and make yourself ready. And if you'd like someone to personally pray for you because you're walking through something and you have a need, we'd love to pray for you. We can't place our hands on you yet as we pray. I know the Bible says to lay your hands upon others and pray. We can't do that right now during COVID, but we're going to pray that God would reach down and touch you. And after everyone leaves, you can come and stand at the front and there'll be some friends here ready to pray for you. The other thing I want to share, if you're our guest, can we one more time thank all of our guests? Come on, thank all of our guests for coming today. And if you're on site and you're our guest, drop by a table. We've got a coffee card for you. And don't forget, all of you, to pick up those Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes. And if you're watching online, you're going, how do I do that? We're going to have tables outside during the week, but you can also go online. And Operation Christmas Child, there's an option to do it all online. And you can just surf that and see that. And uh, that, we know, would be a great blessing. Well, Lord, thank you for our time today. Bless each one in Jesus' name. Amen.